welcome to Marari Unmuted, a podcast about music, life, and finding new ways to engage the next generation of performer and chamber musician. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of Marari Unmuted. Before we begin today's episode, I just want to remind you that some of the episode's content may have taken place previously, as this episode was recorded this past summer in 2021. But without further ado, let's let Sarah Paradis take it away with another exciting guest in today's show. Here we are on Marari Unmuted, and this is Sarah. Today I am here with Karen Marston, who is a trombonist, and I'm going to let her tell you about herself. Karen, welcome. Hello, thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for being here. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, so if you could tell us... Uh, how about what you do now, and then we can get into your background. Okay, I am a full-time professor at Mount San Antonio College in Walnut, California, and that is in the Southern California area. We're about, I don't know, maybe 15 miles east of LA, and I've been there since 2016, and I moved here from Texas. So prior to this job, I was uh, had very similar job in Houston, Texas at San Jacinto College, where I started in 2000, the year 2000. So I have taught, and these are both two-year programs, so I have taught at the community college level now for 21 years. <laughs> and um, and I, I probably, if you would ask me when I was 18 years old if that's what I was going to be doing, I don't think I would have even thought of it. Um, but it's just kind of where I've ended up and I seem to fit with these students well and I like them and they seem to like me and I like the mission of it. Uh, you know, we, a community college is what it says it is. I mean, we are in the community and we help people who are close by to us and we help our, uh, become, you know, it's a cultural center for the community. I like the, I like that part of it very much. And I personally attended a community college and I had a great teacher there, um, and he was extremely helpful and supportive to me. And I, I think that the people who come to my program, you know, they need a great teacher, and I, I like being that for for them. So I like the mission of it. And then, of course, I continue to perform as much as I can professionally. Um, I'm gonna be fifty next year, so. <laughs> Party. I, I guess so. I guess I, I don't know if it's for a celebration, but I, I guess it is. I mean, I feel the same as I used to. So it's weird. Nice. It's very surreal. But um, so I've been at this for a long time is my point. And uh, I have always tried to continue performing professionally. Um, you know, sometimes you're real busy with that. Sometimes, you know, I'm sure the same. Uh, sometimes you're not as busy. I have made a lot of my own things. I've had chamber groups, a number of them. Um, I was a contractor in Houston for a long time. I did a lot of contracting. Um, and of course, I'm also the, now the director of the International Trombone Festival, which I have done that since 2017. So oh, cool. this is year four, that makes. Awesome. So that's yes. what I do now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I know you because of a lot of ITF-related stuff, mm -hmm, International exactly. Trombone Festival. Karen emails us about all kinds of different things and all of the ITF 
literature and advertising and you know you can find her name in the corner so that's um, true <laughs> yeah I've seen you at the festival yeah. um seen all the organizational work you've done which is just amazing it's just fantastic Thank you. well I have a great oh, yeah. team it's of course not just me mm -hmm. but Justin Cook and now Chris Van Hoff um uh, are, are always there with me so I'm definitely not alone and we usually have the addition of a host uh, on the mm -hmm. campus where the event will take place of course this coming year the host and Justin Cook are the same person so <laughs> we're kind of down um, we're down a person in that regard but uh, yeah I definitely it's a team it's not um, oh and I'm sorry Chris Sharp this year he's a co-host so oh great so we're, I shouldn't say we're our net is still four people that will be planning um, yeah so it's definitely not me by myself, but yeah, that's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of work for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and is that like year round work? Are you just always preparing? It is year round. Yeah. I mean, wow. we, I, after the festival is over, I usually tell Justin, I mean, the funny thing is people tell me that I'm like high energy, but Justin, <laughs> Justin is more high energy than me a little bit. Oh, and yeah. I, yeah. So after the festival is over, I'm always like, yeah, I don't want to talk to you for like, give me, give me like five weeks, six weeks. And then he's always, and then he's always like, Karen, is this something we need to talk about? And I'm like, no, it's not time yet. Please just give me a little bit more time off. Um, and then of course this year he was especially enthusiastic because it's his, you know, it's his campus. Yeah. So I think we didn't have too much of a break this time because he was right in there ready to start yeah. talking about He's probably so excited. Yeah, we're, of course, and I don't blame him. We're all excited. I think we've got an incredibly exciting roster of artists this year so if you haven't had a chance to look at that it's I have really it's really amazing cool. yeah, I'm, yeah I'm excited congratulations on getting all those amazing well yeah artists. I mean it's I, I think we've we've really tried to just diversify that programming is you mm -hmm. know and it's it's I think people look at that as like such a contentious issue and I just have to tell you it's super easy because there's lots of people there's yeah you know it's not like <laughs> it's not like we're like hey let's let's diversify styles and where people are from and, you know, who we're inviting. And it's not like we're having trouble finding people. I mean, we, you know, if you kind of cast that net out, it's just there are so many people doing so many innovative, interesting right. things. And, you know, they're not all in the U.S. and Europe. They're all over the world. And um, it's that's probably the most fun part of the job is just that we get to look at all these different musicians and what they are doing. And it's really inspiring, you know. Yeah, for sure. So, so That's that part's really pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Okay. Well, that gives us a, a better idea of what you do and what keeps you busy. Yes. Um, <laughs> could we go back a little farther to, you know, maybe high school or your first college experience? Like, how did you kind of get into music and what got you to where you are today? Sure. Um, so I'll go back to the very beginning, which was when I started playing trombone, because this is kind of a cool story. Yeah. Um, I grew up in South Texas and that was, you know, in the eighties, <laughs> not mm -hmm. exactly an ultra uber progressive environment, but, um, <laughs> I, I wanted to be in band. Everyone in my family is a musician. And of course, oh, band wow. programs in Texas are huge. Right. Um, so it was just, I never thought of like not being in band. I just, people are in band. That's what I thought. So, yeah. <laughs> and my brother was already a euphonium player and he didn't become a professional musician, but he's always been a very good musician and he enjoys, he plays guitar and he does cool. other things now, but he was a euphonium player at the time. So I went into the, you know, you go into the band hall on the first day and the band director mm -hmm. says, what do you want to play? And I said, euphonium. And I don't know why he said this, but 
you know, he was a working musician. The band director, his name is Mike Barker. He's a wonderful, wonderful tuba player. He just passed a few years ago. Okay. And um, he said, don't play euphonium, play the trombone because you can get more gigs. <laughs> I mean, who knows why he says that to some 12-year-old in yeah. South Texas in like 1984, right? Or you can something. see it in your eyes. I don't know what it was, the crazy things. And I, and I do remember like taking the trombone home and opening it up. I don't know if you saw that commercial recently of the little girl who's uh-huh. placed her bone. Like, I definitely had that experience where I was like, oh, look at it, it's so shiny. Aww. And, you know, got very excited. Um, so I, so from there, you know, I just did the normal Texas band thing. And, and uh, by the time I was a senior, I kind of just thought, you know, I just want to do this. So I uh-huh. I mean, I, I don't know where that conscious thought came from. It just, this is what I want to do. So yeah. I figured I would go to the best school I could that would take me. <laughs> And I was mm-hmm. living in, in Texas, and I got into North Texas. So nice. I went there, um, and I studied with Royce Lumpkin, Vern Kagerice, and Jan Kagerice while I was there. Great. Um, and had a, a lot of great experiences. I was there for five years, um, played with the Wind Symphony, played with the Octets there, and was the first time that I went to an ITF, which was an ITW back then. And um, we were the Remington group, so got to perform mm. in 1990. Four so in cool. Minnesota. So that was a while back. And then I was working professionally or, or however you want to describe that. I had a, an amusement park job uh-huh. at Bush Gardens in Williamsburg, Virginia. Oh, yeah. So I played there for six years while I was in college. And then I went to get a master's at Rice University. And I studied with Dave Waters there. I was there two years. And very shortly after that, I just kind of fell into this uh, job at San Jacinto College. Um, I have to thank Deb Scott, who's now my colleague at, at the ITF, because she gave me my first job. She was leaving Wharton County Junior College that she had been at for seven years, mm-hmm. and she got the job at Stephen F. Austin State University, and she passed that Wharton job to me as, oh, a, ten- cool. as, a, as a one year. And then the job opened up at San Jack and I applied and I was like 28 with a master's degree only and six months of college teaching experience. And somehow I got that job. I still think it is a a miracle uh, that I, that I got that job. And I stayed there for 15 years. um, And uh, eventually I was, I was working as a, you know, primarily as a teacher who was playing, Uh um, which I've always kind of thought of that, you know, there's, there's players who teach and teachers who play and, right. and I'm a, I was a teacher who played and I had performance degree. So I thought, you know, if I'm going to get a doctorate, which I want one, um, I, I don't think I'm going to get another performance degree cause I'm teaching. So I went to Columbia university and I finished a master's in education and then a, a doctorate in, in education. Mm. And what's cool there is you can focus on, um, whatever area of interest you have. So my area of interest was applied trombone teaching oh, nice. so yeah. it's a it's a cool degree in that it's not a standard your standard ed degree like mm-hmm. i i'm not teacher certified for example it's uh uh-huh. it's a job a degree that's aimed at teaching at the college level so pedagogical yeah 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 so i really recommend it it was that was a great experience that i really enjoyed um and so i just i think i've just given you my whole career <laughs> wow so, so- did you did you say you got your doctorate like after you taught for fifteen years? Yeah, so I I finished my doctorate in two thousand eleven. Oh, I st- okay. I, so I had been teaching for eleven years when I finished okay. when I finished it, and I I was I took a one semester sabbatical and I was in residency in New York 
from like July to December of that year what? with my kids. Yeah, so my oldest daughter started kindergarten in in New York. <laughs> what? So and then I came I came back to Houston and I was commuting. I was actually commuting Houston, Dallas, New York because I was observing Jan Kagerice for my dissertation. So I would go from Houston to Dallas and I would and I would observe, you know, a day of lessons with her and then I would fly up to New York and meet with my advisor and then I would fly back to Houston and you know, teach, Holy cow. teach an ensemble or whatever it was. Um, oh my you know, gosh. It was a lot. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, and of course I had kids, you know, at that yeah. time. So, so yeah. how, how did you, did you do a lot of it when you were like working full time too? I was working full time the entire time, except that, that one semester, that, se- that one semester of a sabbatical, but I actually had a job in New York, which was a super cool job oh. it, that I was, um, I was an observer for grant-funded education programs in New York City. Uh So people would get a grant to do some sort of special programming in the schools, and then somebody would come in and and observe and see how they were doing. And that was my job. (laughs) Wow, that's awesome. (laughs) It was really cool because I saw all these innovative things that people were doing with just no resources. You know, it was kind of an incredibly inspiring thing to see. Um, and I enjoyed that. I did enjoy that work. Um, you know, but I like trombone better. So, (laughs) (laughs) so I just came back to trombone after all that, but, um, uh, yeah, so I was working the whole time. I mean, I don't know. I, I find people ask me that all the time, like, especially with brass players, it's hard to conceive of like having kids and how are you going to play and you know, how's all that going to work? And it's, and I, I wish I had some sort of like answer, but I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I have an answer. I mean, I think it's like a day by day thing, you know, you just figure I it just out. Like, and I mean, I can't even like start to think about doing a doctorate at the same time as doing anything else because yeah. I, I got my doctorate when I was, you know, still in my late twenties. I did not have a family. I would, did not have a job. Like it was just my doctorate and I, I really cherish that time I got to spend on that um but maybe I mean maybe you already had kids and you're like I could do two things at once I can do three things at once <laughs> you I know? mean I I don't I don't have I wish like I had answers for that because people do ask me that and I I the only thing I can say is that I'm not a good planner <laughs> what no, you must be. No, if I had been a better planner, I would have gotten the doctorate and then got the job, right? Like, <laughs> I literally, I literally, when I came out of school, I swear I just did whatever looked like could yeah. come next. You know, I just was always such a bad planner. And it, I mean, you know, I'm not saying that to say mean things about myself, but if I had, if I had planned better, I wouldn't have been in that situation where I was already working, you know, and I already had kids and... Yeah, but I mean, I think for, especially for musicians, like that's how it usually works out, you know, it's just like, okay, well, I got this master's degree and now I want to play or now I want to teach and this job came along, you know, that I yeah. think a lot of musicians do it that way, don't they? I think so. Um, and I think that's a way to do it. I think if I could go backwards in time and do it again, I would, I would think more about like really trying to refine a vision for myself and where mm-hmm. I wanted to end up, you know? Because I just think that's taken me uh, like my whole life to figure out, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I think if you can figure out like a vision for where you want to end up, it's easier to kind of plan, 
you know, those steps. But, right. but I just, you know, I just really didn't have that sense. I knew I wanted to play trombone. I knew mm-hmm. how to work hard. Then I, I didn't, I, I, those were the two things I had going for me, but I just didn't have this sense of like purpose that I find people, young people today seem better about, you know, they seem, I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's more role models today. Maybe that's what it is, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but I, I just feel like I kind of went from one thing to the next Mm -hmm. without a grander, you know, a grander plan. So, so I was faced with like, if you want to get the doctorate, this is how you have to do it. (laughs) So this is your only choice. Yeah. So, so that's how I did it. Um, yeah. So as like a mom and, or as somebody, as a teacher who can influence, you know, young people, do you find yourself encouraging them to you have that kind of behavior, like make some plans, create a vision? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a good balance there, right? It's like, yeah, there's it's nice to have surprises too and it's nice to right. not be rigid you know yeah. in in your mm-hmm. in your planning and i guess i always had like a grand scheme of like i'd like to be a university teacher i kind of had mm-hmm. that in because i would look at the categorizes to Jan and Vern. i think yeah. that i want to do that that seems you know pretty cool but i i think there's a way to have a balance there and i think it's mostly just about being able to envision yourself being successful you know yeah. that was the part that i didn't really I don't know if it was a female thing I, you know I just didn't really have that I, I kind of felt like I had to prove myself a oh, little yeah. you know yeah I definitely felt that too yeah yeah I just didn't have that sense of like but maybe belonging is the word I don't know you know mm-hmm. so it's so I just felt like I had that sense of having to prove myself so I didn't feel like I deserved to say you know here's where I'm going. You know, I felt like I had to show myself yeah. every step of the way that I could do it. So you actually had to do the things yes, to show that yeah. you're capable. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you also went to North Texas, which had to be so competitive. I mean, there's so many trombone players there, right? There, there were. Yeah. And, and when I was a freshman, there were something in the seventies of oh trombone players. Yeah. And, and there was me, um, Brandy tag <laughs> and Stacy Nash. <gasps> No there way. were three, yeah, three, three females when I was a freshman. I there may have been more that I if I apologize if I'm forgetting anybody, but those in my memory there was just the three of us. And oh my um, gosh. so yeah, you know you feel pretty, you feel kind of singled out, you feel yeah. you feel different, and I think you, I think it's normal to sort of let some of that get in your head, you know, oh, yeah. where where you feel sort of separate, even unconsciously. Know. Yeah, and like it sta- it sticks. Yeah, it sticks. It sticks sometimes for years before you say, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> that's not, <laughs> I don't need to be carrying that around anymore, you know? <laughs> so, um, but I will say that North Texas was very nurturing. I loved Jan and Vernon. Of course, I had a female teacher and mm-hmm. um, I just had really positive experiences there. I made lifetime, lifelong friends there. Oh. Um, and, and you know, everyone was super supportive. I mean, just, just to say that, they, they were super supportive there. I mean. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a great experience for sure. And what a great place to start out, you know, to show that everything is possible if you can at least imagine it and see it. So Yeah, I don't know if I got that lesson. I should have. Eventually yeah. you did. Yeah. I mean, I don't I yeah, maybe today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's a it's a you got the musician thing and then you put that together with being a female trombonist and that all gets kind of complicated, you know. It does. Yeah. Yeah. My, my school at Ithaca College for undergrad was like 
always had a high proportion of females in the studio. Oh, that's We good. had like 20 to 25, wow. one trombone teacher, not like North Texas. Right. And, um, and there was always like five or six out of the 20 or 25. So like 20 that's to 25 nice. percent yeah. of people. Well, I think it was the Texas thing. Honestly, I really think it was Texas. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I taught, of course, at a school in Texas for, for 15 years. And I had, um, you know, less than 10 female students in that whole time. You oh, know? my gosh. And that wasn't for lack of trying. They just, you know, they're not there. So, yeah. um, you know, but and then contrast that here with Southern California. And I would say it's easily half, you know, almost half and half. So, so cool. Yeah, so it's quite different here. Nice. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like uh, parents like seek you out because you are a female trombone teacher? I do not. No, <laughs> I've never found that. In fact, I can tell you working in South Texas, the number of times that a guy would just come right into my studio, right into my face and be like, you're the trombone teacher. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I, there's always this like, you know, you have to take a few weeks to prove that you mm. know what you're doing, you know, and, and, yeah. and not every guy, and I, I'm, I'm so, not every guy by a long shot, but there were those, you know, especially in Texas who were like, okay, mm, I don't know. Not if, sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure, you know, what you're, what you're doing. Um, and I, I never really minded that, you know, I mean, everybody's different and they need different things from a teacher. And if they mm-hmm. needed me to kind of prove myself, I was okay, you know, yeah. to, to do that. But yeah. I've never, I've never perceived that anybody's like, maybe, but I never perceived that anybody was seeking me out for, you know, because I'm female. I just noticed that a few times with myself, especially my like uh, sixth grade, seventh grade students that I teach privately. A lot of times their mom or their dad is like, oh, it's so cool that you happen to be a woman and you play trombone. Like, I want my daughter to see that. Yeah. You know, and so they like stick them with me. But on the college level, I don't. I don't ever hear that. I haven't taught beginners now probably in, I, I enjoyed it when I did, but I haven't probably taught beginners in maybe 15 years Yeah, or yeah. so at so least. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. Well, um, this is so cool to hear about your background. I never knew a lot of this stuff actually. <laughs> Maybe I should have read your bio. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, you know, I think everybody has a cool story if you, you know, yeah, yeah. everybody goes through, you know, interesting things and has kind of yeah, a cool story. Yeah, it's, it's very cool to hear you talk about it. Um, I wanted to ask you, you kind of touched on how you have kids, but if you don't mind like sharing a little bit more, I'd, I know you have three kids and I you're do. a single yeah. mom. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about them and, you know, maybe even what it's like? raising three kids. I just can't even imagine sure. <laughs> doing that on your own. I just can't. I can't imagine either, but, um, <laughs> uh, of course that wasn't, you know, the original plan, but, um, <laughs> I've had the kids on my own since about 2010 ish, something wow. like that. And then, um, a hundred percent on my own since 2017 or 16 yeah. when we moved to California. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't know. I, the only thing I could say is that, um, if I have a, some, a strength, it's that if something has to get done, I would, you know, I can just do it. And I, and I, that's the only thing I can say about raising mm. three kids alone. Um, and I will say that there are some things that make it easier. If you don't have another adult 
then you you don't have someone you have to compromise with. You know, you can, you're just like, you're just making all the decisions and um, there's no one to run to. You know, the kid yeah. doesn't like what you say. It's just like, mm, well, I'm the yeah. one with the checkbook and the house and the, you yeah. know, if you want to get the things, you have to do what I want. So, so that, I mean, and, and, and no offense to people who co-parent, of course, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm sure that has its strengths and weaknesses, but people kind of think of single parents and they're like, oh, so sad, you know, and I don't, I mean, yeah, I guess it is, but I, it's nice because you have like total autonomy, mm-hmm. you know, and you sort of develop this team set, this team mindset with your kids. And I have no idea if that happens if you're co-parenting, because I've not done right. that, but, um, but you know, your kids and you end up on the same team in a way that maybe doesn't happen if there's, you know, sort of that two parent dynamic. And so, you know, it's not all terrible. <laughs> you know, no, no, not good. at all. I hope I didn't suggest <laughs> oh, no, that. No, of, I just, course, of course not. Sometimes, course not. I mean, especially when my <clears throat> kids were first born is, is the time that I've, I've noticed that thought coming through my mind, like some people do this, you know, on their own and yeah. I just can't even imagine. I haven't really had that thought lately. My kids are three and six um, and I did actually just have a weekend where I was, you know, my husband was out of town. And so mm-hmm. I watched them by myself. And I noticed all those things you just said, you know, it's like, oh, we got our own rhythm. Like, yeah. there's nobody else I have to run anything by. Like, right. it's just my decision. And my husband has told me that, too, before. He's like, when you leave, it's easier. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, thanks. I um, mean, the logistics are easier. But, it, you know, I think it would always be nice to have an adult to turn to right. and say, hey, do, do yeah. you think I'm being crazy right now? Or is this... Yeah. So, you know, I think there's there's pluses and pros and cons, you know, mm-hmm. on, I don't think the grass is greener for anybody, but, um, right. but you know, I, it's been an adventure. I mean, they're 17, 17 and 18 now. Wow. So we're kind oh, of, that's the other thing. You have yeah. twins. I do. I have twins. Yeah. Which I also do. blows my mind. Yeah. It blows my mind too. <laughs> <laughs> oh they were, gosh. they were, they were, that was a surprise because we don't have twins. I don't have twins anywhere else in my oh. family. So there was no expectation of that. And, um, so that was a total surprise. And so I did have three kids, you know, under the age of three and three kids under the age of four and because they're only, they're only 15 months apart. So, yeah. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a pack of kids. It's like a concentrated, uh, pack of children. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, we've, I've enjoyed very much, being a mom to them. And I know that I'm not done just because they're about to be adults, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've done a lot of fun things. I mean, two of them were competitive gymnasts for like eight years wow. and followed them all over, you know, the place oh, watching so those. Cool. And one of them was a dance on the dance team and followed her all over the place. And, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, so I, and I, and we've gotten to do a lot of fun things as a family since when we moved to Southern California, you know, we've done the beach and Disney and mountains and, uh, Hollywood and like all that, that fun, cool stuff. We, we were tourists for years here. Um, so, so that part, you know, I mean, since I work and they're busy, we don't like, we don't do that, um, eat dinner together thing, (laughs) 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 which I wish we, I wish we could, but the closest we get is everybody sitting down at the, on the couch with the takeout, you know? Um, (laughs) yeah, we don't do that. But we, but we do go out together as a family. So, mm-hmm. you know, if any, if any young parents or want to be young parents are like, you know, what's the secret? If I had one secret, it would be to go do fun things as a family, you know, oh. and just, and just really 
treasure that time when the kids are yeah. young because those those darn kids grow up. It's amazing. No. It's incredible. No. You don't like when they're three and six, like the age of your kids. You don't think they're ever going to grow up, but I swear they are going to grow. <laughs> You're going to turn around. That there's going to be a kid in high school, and then once they're in high school, God, it goes so fast and. And then it's just, you're like, wow, I have, a, I have adult children now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, my gosh. My, my twins will be 18 next year and, and both graduated from high school. And so, I'll, you know, I'll yeah. be done. <laughs> I feel, yeah, I feel like when I think about you, like, I think about that, too. Because, like, I don't, I feel like you and I are peers, mm-hmm. at, at least course, in, our, yeah. in our profession and um, but you're a little bit ahead of me and I, and that's why I see, I see your older kids and I see my younger kids and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be there and not that long. Not that long. And it just blows my mind. Yeah. Take that. lots of pictures. Take lots of pictures. <laughs> oh, of those don't kids. worry. Yeah. Take all the pictures <laughs> and just like, you know, and just find fun stuff that everybody likes to do together and just enjoy, yeah. just like really try to enjoy that time. You know, that, that's the one thing I'm super grateful for is that when my kids and I go out and do something we do, we get along and we have, we're able to have fun together. And I think that's what, that's really the thing that is super meaningful to me because the rest of it is like, you know, mom taxi, paying bills, (laughs) you know, the rest of it's not that, not that fun, all that fun, you know, or doctor's visits or like, uh, you know, mom, I fell down at practice and and I can't, yeah, I I can't walk. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, it's okay. So yeah. So that to me is the part that I really, um, just, you know, if there's, if there is a young parent out there, like, how am I going to be a brass player and a parent and all that? Just find something fun that you, it doesn't yeah. even matter. It's, it may not be anything to do with music and, and my kids, it's not. So, yeah. you know, they like other things and just, just find those things that you can really spend that time with that you can, cause once they get to this age, man, <laughs> if you didn't, if you haven't bonded with them, it's not happening. You know? <laughs> so, so you want to get that bonding time in, you know, that's what I, so- that's what I really like. That's so, that's so cool. I think that's really good advice. But what I still don't really understand is you basically have at least three full-time jobs. Like you've got your family, yeah. you've got your job at the, the college, mm-hmm. and you've got this trombone festival coordinator role. And I could, I could see myself, you know, I see myself as a mom. I see myself teaching a university. I gig just like you. Mm-hmm. And I, then I don't have the service job that you have with the mm-hmm. Triple Festival. And I just, like, I'm, I already feel full. And I'm, I'm wondering how you handle all of those roles with, like, still 24 hours in a day like I have. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I guess I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't, I mean, I don't need a huge amount of sleep. Maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that's part of it. I mean, I don't know. It's funny because when my kids were little, and I, you know, you're in the mom groups with the other kids' moms. And mm-hmm. I was the only one who was working. And I don't know if that was like, I, I don't, have you, have you found that? Where it's yeah. like, all the other moms are like, why are you working? Yeah. And, and then you have to say, because I got a doctorate to get this job. <laughs> and there's not another one, you know? I mean, you can't leave your job. Like, you're, you're not, it's not like you can just go get another professorship somewhere, right. you know? So, exactly. you know, and I, so I was when they're really young, you're like, well, I don't have to work, but then how are you going to get back into the field that you spent your whole life, you know, trying to get, so that was never an option to, to leave, you know, the job. And, uh, you know, in the trombone festival, when that came along, Vern Kagerais was so passionate about the ITF and I, and he passed of course a few years Mm -hmm. ago and that was very sad and painful. And I just, I just felt like there was just, you know, you have this opportunity 
you can impact the culture of your instrument. And, mm. and that was like, I didn't feel like I could turn that down, you know, as right. an opportunity because I, if I have like something that guides my decision making, like I would just like to leave things better than when I found them. Mm. You know what I mean? You know, I was just like, when I, when it, I'm done, you know, I would like there to be better a better environment for the next round of people. And I just thought, you know, how could I possibly pass this up? Right. Like I, you know, as, as hard as it is, as much work as it is, and as stressful as it is, I will be able to say, you know, I, I tried mm-hmm. it, it. Hopefully I did make a difference. And so it just seems worth the time. And, and outside of that, I've done the job at the community college for 20 years. So it's not autopilot, but it doesn't right. require, you know, it doesn't require, huge amounts of I mean I still do a lot of work for that job Um, but yeah you know (laughs) I'm sure you do but I'm not but I'm not learning that job anymore you know I know that job pretty well and um so you know I don't know I like I said I rely on those those that shared family time you know to keep the family going Mm -hmm. and I and I every year say I'm not going to do another ITF and then I do it anyway because (laughs) (laughs) so I'm not going to do it forever just FYI there'll be (laughs) that job that job will come open sometime but um yeah I don't have a great answer it's not like I have like a planner and I like you know I just I I think I I think I triage that's it that's my advice (laughs) triage Whatever, well, whatever, the, like the person's going to get angry at me for not getting done first, then I would do that. And then I try to do the next one. Makes yeah. sense. You said yeah. something earlier about like, you know how to get stuff done or like if there's something to do, you yeah. do it. Like, would you say like you, you're pretty good about like completing tasks and like answering email, you know, just like basic stuff like that. On so top of things. I'm not, I'm not detail oriented. Okay, not detail oriented. And so sometimes I do miss emails and sometimes people get cranky at me because I've missed an email for a little while. You've never missed one. Um, of my emails. Well, that's good. That's good. So, but there are people who get cranky with me because I don't I don't answer fast enough because I'm not I'm not detail oriented. I think I work well under pressure. I think if uh-huh. they when when the when the pressure is like cranking up mm. and it's like this email has been sitting there for 2 weeks and you have to get it, that's when I will kick into gear, you know. Huh. So I think that's why the ITF works okay for me because that week of the ITF, all I do is stand in a room and just solve problems for 12 hours a day. That's what, that's what happens. I just stand there and then people are like, this is broken. And I'm like, okay, put that here and this here and this here. And then, and that's, that's the job. So I guess I don't mind high pressure and, and I guess maybe that's what, um, that's what enables me to, to, to do that and not go crazy. Right. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I'm yeah. not, I'm not super detail oriented. I'm not super structured. I'm much more like, I don't even like to plan what's for dinner. That's how bad I am at planning. I mean, that <laughs> might be a good thing though, Maybe you know, cause if you were super detail oriented at ITF and all these things were going wrong, your head would probably explode. Yeah, it would. Yeah. You're it's not, like, it's, it's I'm not on top a, of it. I'll take yeah, care of it. You can't, you can't control that. The variables of that such a big event you know I mean have you seen that fire festival the fire festival documentary I have (laughs) (laughs) I I I watch that and I'm like yeah that's basically I mean thankfully we're not a fire festival right like thankfully (laughs) thankfully people have like plumbing at the ITF every year but I mean it's pretty realistic as far as like how much stress so you know a festival is it comes together yeah yeah thankfully ours does come together we're not like putting people in tents in the rain and like you know oh (laughs) jeez 
That was just so yeah. tragic. Yes. <laughs> yes. And as someone who runs a festival, I was watching the whole thing like, oh. Right. Oh my yeah. God, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Little um, PTSD. Yeah. 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 But. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't have a. I wish I had a secret to share. But um, I guess I just. If, like I said, if there's one thing I do well, it's if something's got to get done, I'm just going to, yeah. I'm good at pushing through. That's what I guess I should say. I'm good at just pushing through when it gets stressful. Yeah. And, you know, I'd probably say about like my younger, my college age and grad students at Boise State is if they can come away from school, like learning how to get tasks done. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and realize the importance of like when a professor asks you to do something or you have an assignment or something and you're like on top of it that's marketable. Like you're going to get hired because you know how to do that. So that, that that is a really valuable skill to have for sure. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think as far as professional success, if I do have one secret, which is that when you can, you do want to get those tasks done and you do want to be the person who's answering emails and doing all that, because then when you mess up and you make a mistake, you know, you have like 10 successes and, and yeah. like, well, well, she just messed this one thing up, but you know, she's usually really, really good. Right, right. So that's that, you know, I, I call that uh, the goodwill bank. <laughs> you want to oh, put, yeah. you want to put a lot of deposits in the goodwill bank, whenever you can, um, whenever you can be on the ball, because then if you do, you know, happen to trip and fall a little bit, you don't get, right. you know, they know you're dependable. They yeah. Know that you're normally on yeah. top of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, sure. that's one of my little, that's my little suggestion. Awesome. <laughs> Well, that, I mean, that was kind of one of the last things I wanted to ask you, but you've actually answered it along the way. But if, if you know, there's somebody listening to this podcast who maybe is an undergrad and wants to end up at a position like what you have today, mm-hmm. um, you've, you've already said, you know, try to see if you can make a vision for yourself, try to plan it out, um, get the things done. Is there anything else that you'd say at this point to somebody who is maybe in their undergrad? Yeah, I do have, I do have, uh, this is my new message to anybody I can say it to, because I I haven't made it a secret amongst the trombone community that I've had a lot of trouble with performance anxiety in my career. Uh And in fact, I do a clinic, you know, I have slides, I've done a lot of research, I, I do that. Um, And recently, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, kind of why that happened to me, and why that's a struggle for me. And I think I just like really, really, really over identified with my mistakes as, as through my developmental process, you know, and when you're young, you are going to make mistakes and there's going to be times, you know, there's going to be times when people play better than you. And there's going to be times when other people see that happening and you're not the best, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, you make mistakes and people hear it and, and I over identified with those negative experiences Mm -hmm. so that it so that I didn't see myself as being someone who could be competent in the ways that, you know, that I can be. And so, Mm -hmm. and so I was, you know, like you get that people pleaser thing where you're just Mm -hmm. constantly, you know, trying to prove yourself, trying to prove yourself. And, And I would just encourage people to think about if you want to be a musician, you know, it's an incredibly rewarding experience, incredibly rewarding, uh, career. It's also extremely challenging and, you need to get your head on straight. And what I mean by that is, is when you, when I'm saying like make a vision for yourself, you have to actually believe 
that you can attain that, oh, you know? Yeah, good point. And, you, and you, can't, you can't just be like, well, I'm going to be the principal Tremontis in the Chicago Symphony, you know, if you don't actually believe you're capable, right? And right. so you have to think about yourself in a way that is loving and caring to yourself. And, you know, and I'm not like a, a, a squishy emotional person necessarily, <laughs> but I'm just telling you from experience, if you, if you let yourself indulge in all that negative thinking about yourself and you don't really like create a vision and believe in your vision of who you can be, when you get on a, on the spot, you're going to have a hard time. And that's where that performance anxiety stuff comes in because you yeah. don't really believe in your own competence, right? So yep. so if I just could sum all that up, I would say, um, you know, don't over-identify with your mistakes. Just learn from them and and feel good about that learning process and move on, you know, and, and yeah. don't, don't over-identify. Cause, and I think that's, it could also be a female trombonist or female brass player. I thing, think it is, you know, too. yeah, I think that's a big part of it too. Yeah. It's or just any, feeling or like anyone. you have to prove yourself. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Or anyone who feels like they're not, you know, the, the, the cookie cutter mold of who, mm-hmm. you know, who, who is successful in this business. So I would just say, you know, not only form a, formulate a vision, but really, really believe that you can be that thing, you oh, know, that's huge. and that's, I think it's pretty huge. And it's taken me till I was 50 to learn it. So maybe, <laughs> maybe I can save somebody else some time. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's just so cool for younger students to hear, you know, somebody like yourself having really reflected and done some research and really thought about this to come away with that message. I mean, I think that it's really poignant and, and helpful to, you know, to believe some things about yourself and and create that vision and, and really believe it. Cause I think, I think there are a lot of people that say, Oh, I want to do this on a plane in orchestra. I want to teach at college, but it's an extra step to truly believe that deep down. Right. You can do that. Right. I mean, I think sometimes people say it out loud and then in their head, they don't actually believe that that's possible, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think if you don't believe it's possible, you probably won't do the work that you need to do yeah. to get there. So it's obviously, it's like hard work and, and a vision and, and belief in yourself. But I think the believing in yourself part is so critical because you won't take the actions you need if your mm-hmm. thoughts are, you know, super negative. And, and it starts with like coming off the stage and not beating yourself up over everything you've just played. You know, I I've tried to make a pact with myself that when I walk off the stage anywhere that I'm going to say three things that I liked about what I did because all of the things I don't like, that's easy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That'll happen. Yeah, that'll happen. But if I could say, you know, I really like my sound and I really, I think I think I did a good job listening, you know, at that moment when, when it was critical and, and just, you know, giving yourself some credit and, and that I think is a much easier way to grow and to, you know, the person and the musician you want to be. Hopefully music doesn't, we don't want music to tear us down. You know, we want it, the oh, experience yeah. to, to be uplifting. And yeah. So this is such good advice, Karen. That's if I have so one, much. if I have one life hack, that's it. It's fantastic. <laughs> yes. I love it. Um, so as far as like anything else in your story or what you do, do you feel like we missed anything big that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, I mean, I don't think so. I would just, you know, I would say, um, that if you are a young brass player 
And maybe you, you're thinking about, you know, can I do this and be a parent? If you're a young female brass player and you're thinking, can I have kids? Is this going to work? I'm just going to say, yes, it will work. You know, you, you're mm-hmm. going to problem solve along the way and you're going you're gonna to create your priorities and you're going to act according to those priorities. And you have your whole life to be a musician too. It's not like, I, I remember when I graduated from Rice, I thought, what if I never play trombone again? You know? <laughs> But if no one ever cares that I know how to play trombone and then I got called for, you know, a gig like the next day and it was fine. So, I mean, you know, you have your whole life to be a musician. It's not like your last, it's not like my last chance or any of that, you know, you can combine all of the things you want to do and, and still reach your goals. I, I really believe that. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's one thing that being a, a parent and a musician has taught me is you're so adaptable. Like you might not even know how, adaptable and flexible you are as a person yeah having a family and you know moving between jobs and stuff like taught me that I can just mold to shape you know whatever I need to be able to do at that time and yeah you're doing awesome too you've got a great job and you got a family and you know Everybody knows who you are. I know who you are. Oh, yeah, I know who you are. Everybody knows who you are. You're doing great. I mean, you know, and there's a lot of role models out there like you, um, like Deb Scott, you know, she's, when you say I'm a little bit ahead of you, she's a little bit ahead of me. Her, her kids are Mm -hmm. in college and, or graduated. So, you know, you can look to the people that have already done, right. You know, what you want to do. Um, and, and, you know, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Karen. It's so cool to hear you talk about your career and your family and your life and and just where you are and able to reflect on it is really inspiring to me. Well, thanks. I didn't mean to be inspiring, but if that's <laughs> <laughs> if that's how it works out, I'm glad. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I really appreciate all that you've shared with us today. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. 